0: Good morning. Good morning. Busy morning for some of us. <laughs> Hi, folks on uh, on Zoom. You're right close to me this morning. I can actually see you. I see some friends there. It's great to see you. Quite a full zendo here. This is pretty nice. Pretty nice. So, what else is new? Uh, You may have noticed there's this little structure here Uh, and uh, this is here for our Buddha's birthday celebration. We're we're celebrating Buddha's birthday today. Um, Buddha's birthday is uh, no one knows exactly when the Buddha was born. I think April 8th is the most common day for celebrating his birthday. This is the 10th, so we're pretty close. And so uh, what we're going to do is around 10.35 this morning, we're gonna have some special guests from the children's program and they'll come down here and then uh, we'll see uh, what happens with this little structure here. (laughs) And some of you may have seen this before and may have participated in the ritual. Susan, I know you have, probably many times, because uh, we've done this in the past here in the Zendo, or rather there in the Zendo on the other side. Um, I think for quite a while we did it annually on Buddha's birthday, and then we stopped. Kind of usually depended on whether we had a really effective children's program going. And that's something that's not easy to do. It takes a lot of volunteers a lot of time, a lot of heart to keep a children's program going. But we have one now. It's going on pretty quietly. You may have noticed kids in the building, but it, uh, it goes on pretty quietly. But I think it's been maybe uh, three years now. We've got a great program going with uh, quite a few kids and uh, uh, a lot of volunteers uh, working on it and doing really great. Uh, Mark Turback uh, is in charge of it and he's doing a great, a great job. So for me this is a great day to be able to have this uh, celebration. I'm pretty excited about it. And uh, having a good children's program, I think it's vital to the Sangha. I think it's part of inclusiveness, you know, because we want everyone regardless of age. Uh, We want young people, we want older people, we want everyone. We don't want to exclude parents of young children. If the children's program is their principal way of participating in the Sangha, great, we need to provide that. Uh, So today my talk is going to be a little shorter than usual, and it's Buddha's birthday. So I asked myself, what should I talk about uh, today? And I thought, well, I'll talk about community. And I probably talk about community quite a lot. And why do I do this? Well, you know, I think it's obvious. We have Buddha, Dharma, Sangha, the triple treasure. Um, uh, These are all important parts of our practice. Why not talk about them all? And uh, it's also good to, uh, when I talk about community, it's a way of conveying some information We've had so much going on the past couple of years with the construction project, with COVID and everything. There's a lot to talk about, and I want want everyone to kind of know what's going on. But something I'd like to talk a little bit about this morning is that um, community, participating in community, bringing our practice to community is something we can do with immediacy. It's not an abstract thing. It's something we can do right here, uh, right now. Whether that's setting up chairs in the Zendo, or putting away chairs, or sweeping the floor, or preparing a talk, or bowing to one another, or just being present uh, during tea in our conversations with each other. A uh, Sangha is here. When we're here in the building, we can participate. And Community can help us during difficult times. Community, I think, can save us during difficult times. So I'll begin a little bit with the hard part, uh, acknowledging the difficult times we're in. Uh, We all know that that's going on in uh, many ways. There are many aspects, COVID, climate change, many other things as well going on. And we may ask ourselves, you know, how do I get through this? How do I get through this? That's kind of maybe the big question of our times. Um, Recently uh, I co-taught a class here on uh, climate change. It was a Zen response to the climate crisis and I co-taught it with uh, Janet Brown. And um, our focus We we didn't go right to, what do you do about climate change? How can we be activists? Where we started was, how do we approach this problem in our minds and in our hearts? Because climate change is such a big thing, such an all-pervasive thing that is hard to take in, hard to face, hard to even think about and we want to be able to act in the world, we want to have a response. How do we do that? It's like there's this disconnect, there's this huge thing, and there are these my small efforts over here, and how do they, how do they uh, connect? So that was really our focus, is how do we approach this in our minds and hearts? How do we kind of get to an acknowledgement of the extent of the difficulty and find ourselves in a place where we can act where we're not overwhelmed by that difficulty where we're not just you know kind of paralyzed by the problem so the course was kind of designed as this inner journey and we did some writing exercises and we did some talks we did a lot of small group discussion and the idea was kind of to move gradually into uh, an acknowledgement of very difficult truths. And then to move beyond that, uh, move into action. And I think that happened. I don't know if it was so gradual, felt a little bit like a a lurch to me, (laughs) but I got there, I got there, and I thought about it in ways I hadn't before, and and kind of, you know, spent some time with the, uh, the enormity of the situation. And I do think that we did, as a group, kind of come to terms with the situation to a place where, well, we know what we can do. We know there are things we can do, things in front of us, things with immediacy uh, that we could do. And we talked about various ways of thinking about how it is that we can act in the face of enormous difficulty. Excuse me. And one thing I found since uh, uh, the, the class, uh, just a couple of days ago, uh, I found this quote in a magazine from uh, Mother Teresa. If I look at the mass, I will never act. If I look at the one, I will. And I like that. If I look at the mass, I will never act. If I look at the one, I will. Beings are numberless, vowing to free them. If we try, uh, do I need to free them all today? <coughs> I don't think so. I think that's a bit much, but who is this being in front of me? What are my responsibilities today? What can I do? So if we only look at the totality of the problem, we can have a kind of paralysis. I think we do need to look at the totality of the problems because we can't be in denial. We do sometimes have to think about that. But we don't have to dwell there, and we can't dwell there. We can't be effective if that's what we're going to do. So no, no, it's one day at a time, one person at a time, one task at a time. The bodhisattva acts with what is in front of them. And yes, we see the big picture, but then we ask, well, which aspect? What can I approach today? What can I do today? What can I do now? Because there's no time to lose. We need to do something. We need to do something. And I think that kind of attitude is so easy to have in community because community is right here. And there is always a task to do in community, whether that's a chore of some kind Uh, for the sake of everyone, or whether that's just being present with whoever is here, whomever you're talking to, just being present, or maybe not talking, (laughs) being comfortable in the room not talking, which is a thing we get to do here, which I appreciate. So we can take care of things uh, regardless of how we define community. We may define it as our family or a small uh, circle of friends or some other kind of social unit. We may define it as our Sangha. Uh, But that's where we can take care of things and just ask, what's the next thing? Who needs help today? What needs to be done? Uh, And I was reminded a bit of this way of looking at community uh, two nights ago uh, when uh, Will Steger made his presentation yeah, here in the Zendo and I don't usually talk much about events we've had because I like to move forward, I like to stay in the moment uh, but I thought that was uh, that was another great day here and I would like to just uh, reflect on it a, a little bit and um, for uh, many of you were here I'm sure um, for those of you who, who don't know, Will Steger is a uh, internationally known polar explorer and a sustainability and climate change activist among many other things and uh, he was here and he showed some slides and a film and talked very honestly about his life and he talked about the place of zen in his life which is something he hasn't really talked about much uh, publicly uh, before Um, there's a new film about him called after antarctica which will be available uh, to the general public pretty soon, it's on the, the uh, uh, film uh, festival circuit right now, uh, and he does in that talk about about Zen somewhat, but this is the first time I think he gave a presentation uh, about it. Um, and we had, I think, I counted, I think about 65 people in the Zendo, about 35 more online, uh, and. Uh, it was great. People seemed really inspired. It was it was a very exciting uh, evening. And uh, by the way, I think that talk will be up on our YouTube channel pretty soon, if it isn't already, so you could watch it if you wanted. So, uh, he talked about, uh, about Zen in his life. He talked about it from a personal point of view, how it had really helped him through a very, very difficult uh, time when he was young, when he stayed in a zen uh, monastery and he said I think he said in the film that it it saved his life staying in that zen monastery Um, and he talked about focus uh, going on solo expeditions and other expeditions um, and how you have to pay attention all the time on a lot of those polar expeditions because if you don't you'll be in really big trouble and although he doesn't you know deliberately endanger himself He does like putting himself in a place where you really uh, have to be there all the time. Because he likes being focused, he likes being in the minute, in the moment, really strongly in the moment. And that may seem very different from what we do, most of us have not probably gone to the polls. But I don't know if it is that different, you know? Uh, It sounds a little bit like Rohatsu to me. (laughs) If you do Rohatsu and you sit in one of these places facing the wall for seven days, I guarantee you that you're going to have some kind of uh, adventure. Uh, Going to a place where you kind of go, what's really going on here? And you can get that by putting yourself in extreme conditions at the poles or in many other ways, but you can do it just sitting. We all have that available to us. And then the, the another thing that he talked about, which made me think about community, uh, was that he really stressed interconnections between people. Uh, when he talked about his expeditions, he was like, yeah, I go, I get all the glory, but it takes all of these people to make this happen. Years of planning, fundraising, the other people on the expedition, the dogs, who are absolutely crucial. If he doesn't take care of the dogs, uh, it's not going to happen. And he talked about the Steger Center up north, uh, and uh, building it with uh, stonemasons and other skilled people, using an apprenticeship model, uh, bringing all of these people together. So there's a lot of give and take there, and it was all about uh, relationships. Which was a nice reminder, because that's what we do here, too. We do relationships. Uh, To me, being awake means being awake to community. You know, that's one aspect of it. Yes, awake to the Buddha, yes, awake to the Dharma, but awake to the community, that's this great, great uh, Dharma gate. And so, so I love to talk about how things are going in the Sangha. Uh, I like to talk about these things that we're doing uh, with immediacy, you know, the things we're working on. Because we can't deny the big picture, but we can't deny the small picture either. Uh, We cannot uh, deny the beautiful things that are happening, the warm-hearted things that are happening, the beauty of spring, Uh, the beauty of having a little bit of what feels like normalcy here, a little bit. Now, I know you're all wearing masks. That doesn't feel quite back to normal, but we're kind of used to it, right? Uh, The speakers get to be unmasked. We get to be unmasked during tea. We're Starting to fill up the zendo again. The intro. I can't really see, but uh, we've had a bigger crowd uh, for the intro lately. Uh, we've got we've got the children upstairs, um, and uh, with spring coming, I think we'll be able to have tea outdoors more. That'll be really nice. Uh, for those folks who are not ready to come back and be with the crowds, we have. We have uh, Zoom where you can participate. Uh, so, this feels really good. And um, we have with spring, uh, we're going to kind of finish up our building project. We've got all these little things in the building that we're still kind of working on, still working out. And as it fills up, you know, sort of new challenges arise. We have landscaping to do outside. That's a pretty big project, which is pretty exciting. Uh, we're working on Our volunteer situation, we were really scrambling back in August, September, and past that. Uh, But that's going better. We still need volunteers. If you get to the point where you would like to do a volunteer job here, talk to me or talk to our uh, Eno Jeremy, and uh, we'll see if we can find you something. Uh, We've got all of our programming, all of our usual programming. More stuff to do here, I think, than any individual can do. We have our 50th anniversary coming up uh, this fall. We have um, uh, our uh, DEIA committee, our efforts at inclusiveness. We have some volunteer training coming up. Um, And it's spring, it's spring. So um, I haven't done this much yet, but I can get back outside maybe on Sunday mornings and start uh, sweeping. Uh, on before the talk, which is something I love to do because I like to sweep and I get to greet people. And by the way, I think some people see me sweeping out there and they think that it's like my little proprietary area to work so other people don't want to sweep. That's not true. Anytime anybody would like to sweep in front, in back, out there by the street, you're welcome to grab a broom and do that. Worst case scenario, I come along Sunday morning and I have to sweep a walk that's already clean. But we have this tradition in Soto Zen called Soji, which is cleaning. And it often means cleaning things that are already clean. So that's Zen for you. And uh, I'm I'm okay with doing that. So, yeah, yeah. So back to the big picture a little bit. Um, With uh, COVID, things are going well. I don't know what's going to happen. No one knows what's going to happen. I don't know how long we'll be wearing masks. Uh, we'll, but whatever happens, you know, we're just going. We'll do what we have to do. We can be in this for the long term if we have to. Um, we're certainly going to hope for the best. Um, but one thing I think about. Another thing I think about with these difficult times. Uh, I think about my parents and their generation. Uh, Let's see, my dad was born 30 years before me. He was born in 1924 and my mom I think in 1926. So they grew up during the depression and they didn't really have anything. Uh, They lived on farms. They had no money, especially my mom. My mom would tell me this story about how somebody had given her a dollar and she had that dollar and her parents would borrow it to buy a sack of flour and they would pay her back. And they did this repeatedly throughout the Depression. (laughs) This one dollar changed hands back and forth because there just wasn't enough uh, money. And then um, at the end of uh, the Depression, uh, World War II came and uh, my parents graduated in 42 my dad went into the army right away, and he didn't know what would happen, of course. He didn't know if he would be sent to some place where he would be in combat and he might be he might be killed. Uh, that didn't happen, uh, fortunately. He got to Germany right about the time the war ended, uh, but it was a scary thing. And then after the war, there was the Cold War, which he would tell me about. And I, I guess the tension in the 50s, the fear of... of uh, a nuclear incident was just really really strong and he worried about that throughout that decade. So they did it you know they were pretty stoic they didn't even talk about it very much because that's just the way it was they did that their whole lives and uh, they did it and I think we can do it you know we can do whatever is needed whatever is needed and I think looking back Uh, a good standard uh, if we look back on this time and we ask well how did we do i think a good a good standard is you know did we rise to the occasion did we do what was difficult you know despite our knowledge of the big things that are beyond our control and the tendency to be a little overwhelmed did we find a way to deal with this and did we find a way act. Uh, Were we able to uh, focus on what was right in front of us? Were we able to see the joys of life as well as the challenges? And so to get to that place, you know, that place of thinking, well we rose to the occasion, all we have to do is keep at it. All we have to do is uh, take care of each other, build things, make them work, keep at it, keep steadily at it. Know we're going to have bad days when it doesn't go so well. Days when uh, we're not, maybe not so proud of ourselves. I have those days too. I think we all do. But did we recover? Did we come back at it? Did we ask for help when we needed it? Did we open ourselves to the community in such a way that they could support us? Or did we did we hold back from that? So we will keep at it. That is my uh, essential message. And those are my thoughts for Buddha's birthday. And I think we have about 10 minutes here. So I would really uh, love to hear from uh, some of you um, with uh, any thoughts you might have this morning.
1: Yes, John. Um, I was thinking uh, about Thich Nhat Han
2: in relation to the word birthday, and he has a very interesting uh, take. He, he calls birthdays continuation because the way he looks at it is <clears throat> since the big bang
1: and obviously before that, um, everything that exists
2: came into being. So there's never been any more matter, added or energy. It just changes form. And so you, know, you can't really pinpoint a time what person was born as a continuation. Uh, you can even think of it as uh, your continuation of your parents' DNA and your grandparents' DNA, but, but just physical matter and energy. So <coughs> it's, it's just kind of a fun take. <coughs> so again, take
0: that on calls of continuation days. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> so happy continuation day, Buddha. Uh, I think maybe today is your birthday. John, happy birthday. (laughs) Happy (laughs) birthday, everyone. We're always being born. We're always being born together. Here it is. It's everything's coming up all together, all the time. Dependent co-origination. Here it comes. (laughs) Thank you, John. Carrie. Um,
3: That kind of is is a good segue to, you know, Will Steger and kind of uh, his talk and what that, uh, how that resonated with me as a things arising, things arising, things arising. It seems like he met, you know, the universe and those things arising in, in the moment with everything from his rock climbing to kayaking to then, you know, he's raising, he's, he's growing his own food, buying land. Um, it's so cool when you know uh, either individually or collectively as a group we're we're meeting those things as things are arising and then things are continually being birthed mm-hmm. you know, He 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 bought this land and he you know built he didn't ever built build anything before but he's like i can just do this you know i can build this and people will come and they did and and uh so I, I see that happening here too, like you're saying. We just we we built this. It's like you know, this new zendo came into being, birth, and it's here. So it's that deep celebration of things constantly arising and being born.
0: Right, right. That's wonderful, Carrie. And yeah, if we can just be, you know, kind of awake to it. And and that's What we do here, one thing we do here is we try to eliminate all of those distractions that keep us from seeing that. And Will seeks out these situations. We do too, situations where we can just be here and just just be part of this where everything is being born every moment. It's always happening. We're always part of it, but we don't always see it. So we try to quiet ourselves, right?
1: Yeah, thank you. So, anyone on Zoom would like to say something? Anyone more in the Zendo?
0: Because the children haven't come down yet, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a
1: little tired here. Oh, great! Hey. Um,
2: well, I'm still very young, so I've never had issues with birthdays, but I know, I know, like some women around my age are, you know, coming to like starting to come up to thirty, and I can tell it's really freaking low. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess what's the uh, from a I guess a Buddhist perspective? How can you kind of be with someone or help someone like that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I I think about aging, and you know, the Buddhist message is uh, helpful there because aging is part of impermanence. And accepting impermanence is a very big part of what we do. And when I talk about impermanence um, in an introductory way, I often use aging as an example of that. You know, we kind of try to stave it off and deny it rather than kind of going with it and being okay with it. Because things really get better <laughs> in a lot of ways as you age, uh, I can tell you. So, I think, you know, deeply looking at impermanence is, is the real basic way to kind of um, to help with this. But if you're talking to a friend, you know, I'm maybe I'm not sure they would be open to that message. I mean, uh, if, if you always say to your friends, whatever their problem is, well, you need to you know, study Buddhism.
1: They might, get a, they might get a little
0: tired of that. So I don't know. I don't know, I would say really, really listen and find what in yourself you can identify with there. And uh, just be really present with that and see what happens then. I I will. Okay. Okay, hey, let's see, anything I skipped, I can go back and talk about it now.
1: Ted. Good morning, Ted.
0: Good morning. Did
4: you just think of something you wanted to say?
0: No, I'm very happy that you're uh, standing up to speak.
4: Okay, well, the question that comes to my mind um, as we're talking about community is how we can continue building community with um, people that we're not physically present with. Um, I gave up my cube in an office a couple of weeks ago, so I'm now 100% work from home and I know others here are like that and we have many people on Zoom. Um, So I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts, um, as you mentioned, addressing the world and community in terms of thinking of it in terms of the person in front of you. um, How can we do that when the person is not
0: really in front of us? Right. Right. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when I, when I talk about taking care of the person in front of you, uh, you know, that is a a bit of a narrow view. It's not the whole story. If you just take care of what's in front of you, you're going to miss some things you also have to look at well what is not in front of me what am i not seeing what do i need to bring in and so i think with with folks you're not physically present with um you have to i think uh, uh cultivate those relationships and and bring people bring people toward you um and it's just i think a matter of of keeping in touch you know uh through uh we have uh uh, so many ways of doing that through uh, uh, media now. And um, yeah, it's not always easy to keep in touch with uh, with with friends and things, but I, I think we really need to be deliberate about it if that's something we want to do. That's about all I can say about that. Thank you. Yeah. Pans?
1: Yes. Um, I just want to say how much I appreciated the quote from Mother Teresa, and I
3: think I got it right. But if I look at the one, I will act. If I look at the mass, I
2: never will.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's basically it. But she said it uh, the other way. She said, if I look at the mass, I will never act. If I look at the one, I will
3: yeah that really resonated with me
0: yeah isn't that great
3: yeah especially when i look at like climate change and that sort of thing or you know people that need help be able to focus on one right it really makes
4: it,
3: it more doable
0: right or even if you have a bad day where you're thinking oh all this stuff is going on and i just i don't feel like doing anything well do a small thing you know do a small thing go out in the backyard and you know, pick up sticks or something. You know, just a, a little thing to get moving.
3: Yes, and I and I just wanted to follow up on that, and say um, that I think that by focusing on the one, when you focus on the one, you can also understand that as a um, as a way of focusing on the larger. Um, we we have so many issues of systemic you know, racism, misogyny. Uh, um, if you don't, it doesn't have to be either or, yeah. you know, you don't have to think about um, just, but the one being just that it's a way also of placing a, a direct act in a in a larger kind of um, uh, activism for a bigger Yeah, improvement.
0: yeah, yeah. That's right, that's great. I think that's a deeper way of looking at it. We don't have that don't have to have this separation between yeah. the big picture and the small picture. Yeah, and that's another deeper talk. <laughs> yeah, Thank you.
3: Thank you.
0: <laughs> All right. Are you guys ready? You're ready. All right.
1: going to here you guys. My goodness.
2: Yeah, a big group of really special folks coming to visit you all today. We're really uh, at this occasion celebrating the Buddha's birthday. So, what we wanted to do was um, teach you all a little bit about the Buddha's birthday and a little bit about how it's celebrated uh, throughout Asia, particularly Japan. So, with that, I'm going to start and we'll just have our uh, friends here from our youth program share some of what they've learned, uh, and then we'll go from there. So to begin, 2,500 years ago, in what is now called Nepal, Queen Maya had a beautiful dream. Four spirits came to her and led her to a lake high up in the Himalayan mountains, where they covered her with perfume and flowers.
4: A white elephant with a white lotus flower and its charm sat next to Queen Maya. The white elephant let Queen Maya know that she would soon have a child who would be called Buddha.
1: After
2: 10 lunar months, Queen Maya went home to see her relatives. On the way, she walked into a field of flowers in a place called Mabini Garden and held onto the branch of a salt tree for support.
4: The child who appeared, he took seven steps, pointed to the sky, to the ground, and said, Above the heavens, below the earth, I am the world honored one. As he said, this sacred dragon swooped down from above the (laughs) castle. Buddha's birth is celebrated during the spring in many parts of Asia. In Japan, Japan, Buddha's birth story is remembered on April 8th in a flower festival called Panamatsuri. Since spring is a time for celebrating new life and growth, this is also a time when people in Japan celebrate their children and pray for their health. At Hanomatsuri, Japanese temples are decorated with flowers, and a white elephant is constructed from paper to symbolize the peace, honor, wisdom, and patience.
2: The flower altar that is built for this ceremony is called a Hanamidu. The Hanamidu represents the woods in Lumbini Garden where the Buddha was born.
4: A small Buddha statue with one hand putting up and one putting down is placed inside the Hanamidu. The community bathes the Buddha statue by pouring tea made from shall leaves over its head.
2: I think this is the bathing part. Yeah. So each one of our participants is going to come up and uh, show us how we bathe. The baby Buddha as part of to celebrate his birth.
1: Mm -hmm. You can set yourself on the floor if you want.
2: The sweet tea that represents the rain that purified the Buddha at, at uh what we do we use to wash the Buddha is the sweet tea that represents the rain that purified the Buddha first. Please help us honor the baby Buddha by bathing our statue with sweet tea. And then you can also take home a small vial of tea for your home altar. And then happy birthday, happy continuation to the Buddha.
4: We will invite a few of you who would like to come up now to bathe the Buddha. Everyone will have an opportunity after, we, after our talk ends.
2: Now we can have a few adults come up and bow and be as good as they want. So in any way, you can call in volunteers
1: if you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, <there> yep. Go. <laughs> good. <job. laughs> Chingale, you want to come? Get that, perhaps a couple more.
2: Otherwise, there'll be an opportunity after as well. Is. Every
1: parent has
2: opposite
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you so much, children, for sharing this with us. all to you. Thank you to the parents and the volunteers. Thank you to the Buddha. Uh, we'd like to invite everyone to stick around afterwards, have some uh, coffee and tea and some cake. I believe there's a cake. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And what kind of cake is that?
2: All it says is Happy Birthday Buddha. It looks like a standard white cake with
0: frosting.
1: It's a birthday cake. <laughs>
0: all right for those of you who are with us virtually we wanted to offer a gatha to use whenever you encounter flowing water today to acknowledge the buddha's birth be it when washing hands filling up a glass of water or doing dishes in the sink this gatha is in the chat for those of you who are online
1: we,
0: uh, it may be there, maybe not, we've had some technical things this morning, but I'll say it twice. (laughs) (laughs) With each drop, a Buddha is born, and I see my true nature reflected. With each drop, a Buddha is born, and I see my true nature reflected. Three times. With each, oh, there's a little Buddha on screen there. (laughs) With each drop, a Buddha is born and I see my true nature reflected. So thank you again. And we will now turn this over to our Doan for some announcements.